0: to John chapter 13 with me. We've been talking out of this passage for quite some time now. We started here and we've done full circle and gone around. Now I want to come back to this passage, John chapter 13. We call it uh, the moment in time that we call the Last Supper, where Jesus is gathering with his disciples and getting them together. And there's a lot of things going on at this meal. It's not just any typical Passover event that had been celebrated for thousands of years. This is a real transitional moment. This is the moment where, where Jesus says, from now on we do this in remembrance of me, not Moses. Remember that? We talked about that. We're not thinking about Moses, thinking about me. Uh, this is the moment where, where he actually begins to draw a bit of a line in the sand. and says, hey, we're transitioning, we're changing. This agreement with the nation, this agreement with individuals, there's a transition and there's a change that's about to take place. And then he does something that's quite profound. He sits them down, as we just did here, and he lines them up and he gets a bowl. And he gets a towel, and he washes their feet before they have this meal together. And I want you to listen to what Jesus had to say. In John chapter 13, verse starting at verse 12, it says, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord And you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed whose feet? Yours. He's speaking to these people in the room. He says, I've washed your feet. You also ought to wash whose feet? One another's feet. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you a what? An example. That you should what? Do as I have done to who? To you. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, as we look at what Jesus had to say and we look at this moment, God, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. Because God, we're on a journey of trying to understand what does it mean to be a new creation in a new movement called the church under a new agreement. So Holy Spirit, I pray, speak to us in this room this morning and continue to take us on that journey. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love what Jesus is doing here. If I then your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you under an old agreement you've got to imagine they're sitting there and they're still living in this period we would call the old testament old agreement under the old agreement you express your love for god by obeying God, and through the sacrifices to God. Everything about my relationship to God, my love response to God was to give back to God under this old agreement. And then Jesus does this profound thing. He sits his disciples down and he gets up and he washes their feet. And then when he stands up, he goes, "Now I've just given you example. I want you to go and do not to God what God did to you, Jesus didn't say, as, as, as my customer he said, can I sit you down now? I want to wash your feet. My loving response to what you did to me is I want to wash your feet. And Jesus says, no, no, no. A loving response to what I did, if you understand what I've done for you, then your natural inclination is not going to be to want to sit me down and wash my feet as it maybe once used to be. This very eye to the sky, sort of vertical, relationship and that's all that really mattered and everything else was immaterial and second and jesus says no no no. here's what i want to teach you right now if you really understand what i've done for you as an example my life is an example to you i don't want you to walk away from here and try to do stuff back to me what i want you to do is i want you if you truly understand this to start living your life differently in relation to others I want you now as a result of what I've done for you as a new movement of God under a new agreement. No longer do I want you. I do something for you and you sacrifice and you bring offerings and you do it back to me. No, no, no. What I want you to start doing now is what I've done to you as it impacts your life. You need to start doing that horizontally to other people. You need to start loving other people and serving other people and caring for other people people. In other words, under this new movement that we're a part of, the mark of spirituality is not how many Bible verses you can memorize. It's not whether you understand all the Greek and the Hebrew context and pretext and subtext. It's not whether you are in the doors of a religious meeting every time they open. None of those things are bad. None of them are bad. And Jesus doesn't say don't do them. A mark of a spiritual person under this new agreement in this new movement called the church, a mark of of a spiritual person is not how many hours of prayer you put in per day. Now, this is not bad. Jesus prayed every day. In fact, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he actually used these words. He said, and when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees and hypocrites. Jesus just made a presumption. If we're in a relationship, I'm going to say when you pray, because I'm just going to presume you will. Because if you love me, you're going to want to be with me. You're going to want to commune with me, talk to me, listen to me, all that stuff. So in no way is Jesus saying what we would call these spiritual disciplines are not good. He's not downgrading them. But what he's saying is from now on in this new movement, the real mark of spirituality of a spiritual person, a person that's had a genuine encounter with God now, is not all these disciplines and things they do. It's really seen and evidenced in the fruit of your life in do you love others? I love the passage that, um, that uh, Troy read out of this morning because I was going to go there, but I didn't because I thought, no, no, that, that, I'll, I'll come from another angle so I could put the microphone down now and say show over and there's your message. As God has done to us, the fruit of that, the result of that is that we would now do not back to God with more sacrifice and more offerings, but we would start to do to others. So the mark... Of a believer in the New Testament is love of other people. That's the highest mark of spirituality and the highest thing we can do for God. Jesus said, don't do it back to me. You know, the disciples could have washed Jesus' feet. The point is he was clean anyway. It's not like anything I do gives back to God in the sense of it makes God more God. God is God and God is very secure in who he is. But what he's looking for is for us, if we really have responded to that love and we really have embraced that, it's almost like Jesus says there's now this corporate nature to the body. There's now this corporate nature to this new movement called the church. You can't do it alone. Because he says you need to go and wash somebody else's feet now. In other words, there's, there's this horizontal relationships with people. You can't do it on your own. Oh, but I spend heaps of time praying and lots of time preaching. And I am the you know, yeah, okay, that's great that you're doing all these things. But where are you loving others and allowing others the opportunity to love you back? Sometimes you're washing someone's feet. Sometimes they're washing your feet. And that's life in the kingdom of God. It's not about looking spiritual and ticking spiritual boxes. We've got to be careful. We don't just go from one set of religious rituals to please God to another set of religious rituals to please God. Under this new movement, Jesus says, what I've done for you, this is an example. I want you to pick it up now. I want you to turn to one another. And I want you to start washing each other's feet. I want you to start loving one another. I had a friend of ours many years ago. His name was Alan in Bundaberg. And Alan was a nice guy. He's a great guy. He loved God. Kids went to the youth group that we were running. Actually, he was assisting us, I think, with this youth group. And to cut a very long story short, here's what happened to Alan. Alan decided that the closer he got to God and the more in love with God that he was, (coughs) that he would spend more and more time in isolation, away from church, away from other believers, even away from his own family. He ended up setting up a room in his house, and he would get up at nine in the morning after his coffee, go into that room and close the door, tell his wife and kids to stay away, because that was him and God time. Anyway, it started out as just an hour, two hours before you know it, he's spending the entire day in that room, He doesn't attend any fellowship gatherings. He doesn't go to prayer meetings or a Sunday service. He goes nowhere. Because the more spiritual and closer he's getting to God, he feels like more and more time just with him and God. One day, he ends up having a vision. He believes of the Apostle Paul. And he runs to all the pastors in Bundaberg and starts sitting them down saying, the Apostle Paul appeared to me, spoke to me, and gave me a message for you. You can imagine what everybody started thinking. Slowly he started to lose his mind. His wife ended up um, calling the, the, the hospital and he ended up getting put away in a psychiatric ward for a period. Because he got closer to God. What was he missing? He's missing what Jesus is trying to teach us here. That if we're genuinely getting closer to God, the impact of that is we'll start getting closer to other believers. We'll start loving other people. It's not all about more time with me and God. It's, it's actually about time with me and others as well to be an expression of God to those people and to allow them to be an expression of God back to me as well. You know, in the New Testament alone, those letters that are written that we call the New Testament, there are approximately 60 references to one anothering, where we one another, you know, do this to one another. I'll just throw a few at you. Uh, forgive one another. Uh, encourage one another. Restore one another, accept one another, love one another, care for one another, bear with one another, carry one another's burdens, pray for one another, even correct one another. It's there. You know what? You need something to one another. Who wants to be a one another person? I want to be someone that one another's, but I need something to one another. You know what I need to one another? Another. So if I think that my road to God is isolating me more and more from people, then I would question that pathway to God. I would question the fruit of that type of spirituality if it's isolating me more and more from people. Because sometimes I'm one another in you and sometimes you're one another in me. And that's what makes this thing called the church so beautiful is the ability to one another, another person that doesn't think like me, look like me, smells different to me, is older than me or younger than me or has a different belief about this or that. But we can still one another each other because we're centered on this thing called the love of Christ and a relationship with God. And by the way, none of that was personal, Dell, You don't smell at all. But you are a bit older than me. Just I got that bit right couple of years, give or take. In other words, the primary fruit of a spiritual person in the new movement of God, the church, is the ability to one another. To one another. So one anothering is about contributing. If I'm one anothering, if I'm committed to one anothering, that means that I'm on a journey from being a consumer to being a contributor, to being somebody... That's one anothering somebody else, somebody that's inputting, that's giving to somebody else. It's not all about me. Many of us are still sitting around, maybe. Maybe I'm not saying you are here, but I'm just saying that maybe many of us could still be sitting back and we want to be one anothered. We want to be one anothered. So I maybe come into a meeting like this and I already come in here going, I'm here to be one anothered. So one another me, people. One another me. And then I get up and I walk out. And I go, well, that was a waste of time because nobody one anothered me. Jesus wants us to one another, one another. Yep. He wants us to one another, one another. But what was the starting point? The starting point was to each person there when he washed their feet was, the starting point is, don't walk away from here and be the one going, yeah, Jesus told you to wash my feet, so here they are. No, no, no. He said you wash one another's feet. In other words, you start by becoming a washer of feet. You start by going, okay, my starting point is I'm going to be the one another to you. So I come to a gathering like this or I wake up each day and I'm thinking, well, God, how can I one another to somebody else? Instead of waking up each day going, me, oh, my, why is nobody one anothering me? Why is nobody one anothering me? Don't they like me? Don't they care for me? Well, you know what? Stop sitting back and waiting to be one anothered, and go, you know what? I'm called to one another you. So I'm going to initiate and start the one-anothering. And it's amazing when you start one-anothering others, how many of your one-anothers get met. So we're one-anothering each other. It's amazing. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss cartoon, doesn't it? And they one-anothered one another. One to another. Sister to brother. This is the end, last page. How many people came today with a mentality to one-another somebody? how many this week let it cross their mind at all open themselves up to God and said Lord I want to be a vessel this week because I love you because of what you've done for me I want to put myself out there and I want to be a one another to somebody else I want to be there for somebody to talk to listen to care for to cry with to pray with to contribute to whatever but I'm going to make a choice that, that Jesus This because this is what you said Jesus said I've done this as an example to you you know what's amazing he even won another Judas, and he knew that Judas was a rat-back. He knew Judas was going to betray him. But he didn't say, I'm going to set an example for you guys. Sit down, Judas, you, hop over there. you just hop over there for a second. 11. Judas is over there going, what's wrong with me? You know exactly what's wrong with you, Judas. Oh, I see your heart. He knew it was coming. I wonder if the disciples thought later on, Jesus, you told us to one another each other. And look what he did to you. You must have known that. Yeah, of course I knew that. I'm not asking you to one another the good people. I'm asking you to also one another the rat bags. Because this room's full of rat bags. Just that some of us don't know your rat bag. We've all got our rat bag in us. But we're still called to love one another and to wash one another's feet how many of us came today with that mentality how many of us live with that mentality as a believer god because of what you have done in my life i am going to start to do that to others it's 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 one thing to say because of what you've done in my life god i'm going to spend more one-on-one time with you and i'm just going to pray more and read more and worship more and i'm not saying the disciplines are bad go for it do that but that's not what jesus said to his disciples He washed their feet as an example, and we we can't lose this. He says, I want you to wash one another's feet. I want you to be a community of love, a community of grace, a community that's prepared to get their hands dirty for the sake of cleaning somebody else's feet. A community that that one another one another. A community that are thinking first and foremost about the first part. Obviously, when Jesus said to that group, wash one another's feet, somebody was going to be washing and somebody was going to be sitting there getting washed. And there are times in life where we're both. But some of us, I'm not pointing at anyone, but I'm saying some people in the Christian church could be more accused of being the one that constantly sits there and wants their feet washed. And never wants to get up and wash anybody else's feet and doesn't want to do anything. For anybody else. I want you to imagine if you are on the Titanic. You're on the Titanic. That boat has sunk. Somebody's reached over. They've plucked you out of that icy frozen water and they've put you in that life raft and you're bobbing along and you can just see in the distance as the boat goes down, the lights disappear, it's dark. But you can hear the screams of all these people in the water. And you get in that boat. You've got two ways to keep warm. Number one, is to say to somebody else on that boat that's reaching over the edge, trying to pull other people in, trying to help other people, trying to one another. Stop what you're doing, get me a blanket. Don't worry about them, get me a blanket. Now go make me a hot cup of coffee. Now come and warm you know, warm me up. There's another way to warm up, you know. Why don't you start moving your body, reach over the side and start pulling other people in. You'll warm up too, doing that. Not only will you warm up, but you'll make a difference in the lives of other people. You'll make a difference in the lives of other people. One's about remaining a consumer. The other's about becoming a contributor. And this is what Jesus was saying. Become contributors. Wash one another's feet. No longer is spirituality a purely vertical thing. Under the old, it was. You just had to make sure you obeyed, you did the sacrifices, you kept the laws. It was this very vertical-focused thing. Jesus says the new movement's going to be different. It's going to be different. We're going to be very horizontal and we're going to love one another and we're going to show the world what it looks like to basically be in heaven here on earth. It won't be as perfect, of course, but that's the beauty of love, unconditional acceptance, love, doing life together. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what he's saying. He's saying this. He's saying, I've done something for you Show your gratitude in the way you now do things to others. I've done something for you. If you're grateful for that, show it to me. Not by your prayer times and your Bible, where it's all wonderful, but you really want to show it to me. Show it to me by the way you're treating others, the way you're loving others. And Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 33. I love this story. Mark chapter 12. Verse 28 through to 33. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning, so they're trying to trap Jesus. This is the third person. They've had th- two attempts so far and failed. This third time they go again. This time they decide we can't get him with religious stuff. We'll try to get him on illegal technicality. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, that Jesus had answered the first two guys well. And so he asked this question, which is the first commandment of all? Or the foremost? Or the greatest? And what's Jesus' answer. Jesus says the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it. Take note of that. The second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now most Bible commentators will tell you that when Jesus says the second, like it, that phrase "like it" in the Greek literally means second in sequence, not second in order. I want you to imagine? Uh, my wife gave birth to our first child, Jonathan, uh, Caleb. Gee. <laughs> Caleb. A short time after that, we gave birth to another child, our second child. Like the first one, was a human baby. Our second was like it. It's second in sequence, not second in priority, second in importance, second in order. It's second in sequence. First and second, it's one thing, but this is just the sequence in which they come. Now Jesus is actually drawing uh, both those passages, from one from Leviticus, one from Deuteronomy, first and only time in the whole uh, history that we know of of Judaism where those two phrases are put together. And he basically says this sums up everything. But he puts the two together. And he says this. He says, "A second like it, you shall love your neighbour as yourself." He puts them on par. Second, not as in second of importance. So let's make sure we spend heaps of time vertically uh, with God, and then after that, any time left, spend it horizontally with people. It's not what he's saying. It's sequence, not importance or value. The first is this. In other words, if you are doing this, you'll do this. If you're really doing that, you'll really be doing this. That's what he's saying. That's how he's linking it together. Watch what the response is. So the scribe says to him, Well said, teacher. You've spoken the truth, for there is no, for there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all your heart and your understanding, your soul and your strength, and to love one's neighbours oneself, watch this, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. It's more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. All the offerings and the sacrifices and all the stuff that Israel had to do in order to maintain a relationship with God, in order to have the favour of God. All these things that they had to do kept their eyes facing upward, making sure God was happy. And this guy goes, you know what, I get it. Loving God and loving people Loving God and, and having that filter, having that scene evidenced, the fruit being horizontal, having a vertical relationship with God that has horizontal fruit in it, is more important than any sacrifice or burnt offering. It's more important than anything we can do. Who are the sacrifices and the burnt offerings focused upon? To God. Didn't have much to do without here. It was really to God. Those things were directed purely to heaven. He says, "I get it. This here is way more important than all of this." Now, that's not to say God is not important. God is still the center. But if God is the center in the new movement, it's going to be evidenced through the fruit of love, and how well we one another, one another. How serious is Jesus about this idea? Well, I want to show you one more thing he had to say about it. John 13. John 13, verse 34, 35. Matthew 5. Sorry, go back to Matthew 5. My bad. My bad. Matthew 5. We'll get to John. Keep your finger in, John, if you're there. Matthew 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the big Jesus going, Moses said, but I say. Moses said, but I say. Moses said, but I say. Hey, who are you going to listen to? And listen to what he says. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 23. He says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, this is just after he said, you've heard it said, by those of old that you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be danger of the judgment. What I say, if you hate someone, you're to your murder. Then he goes on and he says this. He says, Therefore, because of this, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, and first be reconciled to your brother. Then come and give your gift. Hang on a second. No, no. It's more important that I have this time with God that's way more important because, I mean, he's my saviour and my lord. He says, yeah, I know. That's true. But if he really is your saviour and lord, you'll understand the importance of the horizontal relationship. If There's something going down not right. He said, you'll go and you'll want another that person. You'll go and you'll, you'll, you'll talk to that person and, and you'll try to sort it out. But, you know what? This is what he's saying. The sacrifice can wait. Leave your gift at the altar. It's okay. It can wait. God's not going anywhere. And he's not going to fall off the perch because you didn't give him peanut in time. He's not starving to death. He's good. Leave your gift at the altar. Go and restore yourself to that person. Go and one another, one another. Go and wash that person's feet or let them wash your feet. Whatever needs to happen in that situation, it's okay. Leave the gift there. You come back to it, I'll still be here. I'm not going anywhere. This is how serious Jesus is about this new movement of God prioritizing horizontally out of a love response to what we have vertically. Oh, but I pray hours, and yeah, that's wonderful, it's great, it's awesome. But what are you doing? Where's the love? Where's the one anothering? Where's the gelling together? Where's the doing life? together. Where's that? Because that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm giving you an example. Wash one another's feet. Come on, guys. Don't, don't sit me down and wash my feet. I don't need my feet washed. Because when I disappear from here, you're going to be my representatives on earth. That means that what you do to others is a representation of what I do to people. I prioritize people. I need you to start prioritizing people. I want you to do this. I'm calling you to do this. It's a different measure of spirituality than what we perceive under the old, where it's this vertical. Now he says, no, I'm going to make it a little bit more horizontal. Jesus reframes the concept of spirituality by stating that the true evidence of a spiritual person in this new movement is manifest in how they treat others, not just how they treat God. It's evidenced in relationship with others, not obedience to laws or spiritual disciplines. It's evidenced in my desire to contribute to others, not always have them contributing to me. It's a different way of looking at it. And I'll finish with John 13. Go back to John 13. And we'll finish with this. We started with John 13, 14 to 15. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. A few verses later on, after he's told them, this is how you should be living, I want you to wash one another's feet. He finishes up by saying this. A new commandment I give you.